See Tom Run, a free podcast of the novel by Scott Wittenberg, narrated by the author. For more information on this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Chapter 14 It was 8.20 p.m. when Tom pulled off the I-71 exit at Morse Road. They hadn't seen a single vehicle the entire trip, and Columbus looked the same as the day before, except for the snow that had begun melting away in the warmer temperature. Tom was exhausted and wanted nothing more than to go home and sleep. He would, of course, gladly trade that in to see his family again. Erin had mentioned that she would like to go to her apartment to get some clothes, so Tom drove past Indianola toward High Street. It looks as dead as ever, Tom, she said quietly. Yeah, I know, but I don't think either of us is too surprised. No, I'm not. After all, when you drive 13 hours and don't see a single car on the road, you don't expect to arrive here and see all kinds of people milling around. I wish I could say that I'm getting used to any of this, but that would be a lie, Tom declared. God, do I need a shower. I'll even take a cold one. I have never felt so funky my entire life, Aaron exclaimed. The good news is that we have a gas hot water heater at the house, so you can at least enjoy a hot shower. Awesome. I can't wait. Aaron told Tom how to get to her apartment, which wasn't far from downtown Worthington. He parked in front of the four-story brick structure and kept the car running. You want to come in? It'll just take me a minute or two, Aaron said. Yes, I do. It's going to be dark as pitch inside. Forgot about that. Tom grabbed the flashlight and followed Aaron up the walk. Aaron led the way inside and up to the second floor. Her apartment door was still wide open, the way Kyle had apparently left it. Can I borrow the flashlight? I need to find my clothes, she said. Sure, Tom replied, handing it to her. Tom stood near the door and watched Aaron as she made her way across the small living room to her bedroom. He heard her rummaging around for several moments before she came out carrying a backpack. She went into the bathroom, stuffed some items into the backpack, then rejoined Tom. Now, take me to where the hot shower waits, she smiled. Back in the jeep, Tom yawned for what had to be the twentieth time since leaving New York. He tried to recall the last time he'd slept and realized it had been the night before while parked in front of Macy's, about forty-five minutes worth in all, before being rudely awakened by Chappie and his cronies. He needed about eight uninterrupted hours of shut-eye and a square meal. After a shower. He turned onto a street, pulled up in front of his house, and did a double take. There was a car parked in the driveway. Although he didn't recognize the car, its presence could only be good news. Maybe someone had brought his family back home. Whose car is that? Aaron said. I don't know, but I'm hoping that Peg and the kids are in there right now. Maybe somebody found them. That would be great. Tom pulled up behind the car and shut off the engine. He glanced at the license plate and recognized the name of the auto dealership advertised on the frame, which was located in Smithtown. That was odd, to say the least. Maybe you'd better stay here while I check this out, come to think of it, he told Aaron. But you said... I know what I said, but I want to be sure it's safe before you come in. Once I'm sure it is, I'll come back and get you. Aaron was visibly miffed. I want to go, too. It's not fair. Tom looked directly into her eyes. Listen, Aaron, 
We have no idea who's in my house right now. It could be a good thing, or it could be trouble. I just don't want to take any chances. Okay, I'll wait here. But come back as fast as you can. You promise? I promise. Tom grabbed the flashlight and opened the car door. He shut it gently and made his way to the side door. It was dark inside, which was not a good sign. If Peg and the kids were in there, they certainly would have at least lit some candles or fired up the fireplace. He paused before opening the door and glanced back at the mysterious car parked in the driveway. It was an older model Pontiac, green, and looked to be around a mid-90s model. Who in God's green earth would be visiting from Smithtown, he wondered. Peg's family hailed from Columbus, so it almost had to be either a friend or a relative of his, someone with an awful good reason to warrant a two-hour drive. Tom crept over to the garage. He was not going to go into the house without some kind of weapon. He found a crowbar, recalled Bummer for a second, then carried it in with him over to the side door. He silently opened it and stepped inside. From the laundry room, Tom could just make out a tiny orange glow coming from inside the kitchen. It looked like the end of a lit cigarette. He took a whiff and recognized the pungent smell of burning tobacco. At that moment, the glow intensified as the person at the other end of the cigarette took a long drag. Come on in, Tom. Tom flinched. A flashlight flickered on, and its beam shone directly into his eyes. And you can put down that goddamn crowbar. The man's voice was gruff-sounding with a heavy southern Ohio drawl. It wasn't the least bit familiar. Who are you? Tom asked, feeling his heart rate go up more than a notch or two. Right now, that's for me to know and you to find out. I want you to drop that piece of iron and walk toward me real slow-like. No way. This is my house and I'm not going to drop anything. Click. Tom knew that was the sound of a gun cocking in the darkness. You sure about that, Tom? I'm betting you might want to reconsider if you don't want a slug in your head. Okay, I'm dropping it. He let the crowbar fall to his feet, the doll clanging nearly deafening. There you go. Now, come toward me real slow, or as God is my witness, I'll waste your sorry ass. Tom moved tentatively toward the man holding the flashlight. He couldn't make out any of his features, except that he was thin. That's far enough, right there, the man said. Now, I'm going to light a candle so we can see each other. I want you to just stand there nice and still for a second. Tom watched anxiously as the man grabbed a butane lighter off the kitchen table, flicked it, and lit a candle. As amber light filled the kitchen, Tom gazed at the man's face, trying to determine if he'd ever seen him before. He was heavily bearded, had a broken nose, and wore his long, greasy hair in a ponytail. Tom was fairly certain he had never laid eyes on him before. There, now have a seat and we can begin our little chit-chat, the intruder said, gaping at him with bug eyes that looked like he was on crystal meth. Tom sat down across the table from him and said, What do you want with me? Hold on and I'll tell you in a minute. First I want to get something to drink. The man got up, went over to the refrigerator, and took out two warm Michelob Ultras. Here, he said, offering one to Tom. No thanks, too early for me, Tom said, trying to appear under control, while in fact he was terrified of this scary-looking redneck. Suit yourself, the stranger said, screwing off the bottle cap. He kept the gun trained on Tom as he sucked down several huge gulps of beer. Ah, oh, that's better. Now down to the business. 
I don't reckon you remember me, Tom, but I lived on the west side of Smithtown back in the 80s around the same time you shuffled off to New York. I'd seen you around the bars from time to time, but we never talked none because you were one of them city fellows, and I was just what you thought of as a hillbilly or whatever, which I didn't really give a big shit about because I figured as long as you never messed with me or any of my buddies, I wasn't going to start no trouble with you. Tom thought back to those cobweb-shrouded days twenty years ago, trying to place this guy's face in a bar. He looked just like the other typical hicks from the sticks, ultra-long dirty hair, full beard, and that same sort of startled, demented look as the good old boys in Deliverance. But the guy didn't ring any bells. Anyway, my name is Donnie, Donnie Shortridge. Now, does that name sound familiar to you? In fact, it did, but only faintly. Tom recalled the name Donnie Shortridge, but couldn't exactly place where he had heard it before. Not really, Tom said. Should it? Oh, it sure as hell should. But like I said before, your type of folk didn't give a shit about my type, so you probably don't want to remember. Don't really make any big shit to me anyway. Tom noticed that the longer this Donnie character talked, the more anger showed in his face. He was scowling at him now looking like a time bomb ready to blow at any second. Tom needed to keep this in mind, whatever the guy wanted from him. My memory's pretty fried, Donnie. Too much booze over the years, I guess, Tom quipped, attempting to add a little humor to the conversation. Donnie's expression didn't change one iota. You're a goddamn pussy, Tom. You don't know what drunk is. Hmm, Tom thought. He's getting downright nasty now. Let me throw another name at you, Tom, and I'm betting that you're going to remember it. How about the name Mindy Conkle? Mindy Conkle. Tom did recall her name. She was the girl he'd picked up at a bar one night. Really good looking, but a little on the sleazy side. He'd taken her to her place and had a pretty good time. And that was about it. He'd never seen her again. Yeah, I do remember Mindy. Why do you ask? Donnie's expression went from anger to furious. Because, motherfucker, she was my wife and you fucked her. Tom's heart skipped two beats and his head felt like a lead weight all of a sudden. Shit, so that's what this is all about. He decided to play it cool. I what? No way, Donnie. What makes you think I did that? Donnie drained the bottle, opened the other one with his yellow buck teeth, and spit the cap out onto the table. Because I just know, fucker, she told me. Tom thought back, trying to recall exactly what had happened the night he had picked up Mindy Conkle. He had been at the shortstop pub with Mike and Jeff that night. They had all been fairly smashed when all of a sudden these two chicks came over and sat down at their table. One was Mindy, and the other was... Hell, he couldn't remember what her name was. She was pretty ugly, though, which made Mindy look all that much better. One thing led to another, and Mindy began flirting with him big time rubbing his leg and pressing her tits against him every time she said something into his ear. Before long, she asked him if he wanted to go to her place, and he happily agreed. They had gone to her downtown apartment, which was a little rough and seemed to fit her personality to a T. They drank some more and eventually went to bed together. About all he could recall from that point on was that she was a good lay, but he couldn't wait to get the hell out of there the next morning. Mindy Conkle was not exactly the stuff that dreams were made of. But he'd had a very good time, and that was a fact. Mindy had never said anything about being married or mentioned any boyfriend, and she definitely had not been wearing a wedding band. He would have been keeping an eye out for that no matter how drunk he'd been. 
In fact, he could recall her mentioning a roommate named Sarah. So she had definitely not been married to Donnie Shortridge at the time. Donnie, I swear to you that Mindy was single when I went out with her. And I only went out for one night. I think you have the facts wrong. Donnie's fist came down so hard on the table that the beer bottle jumped an inch or two into the air. Don't tell me I ain't got my story straight, you fucking shit. Whether or not we was married at the exact time don't make no difference. You banged her when she was my woman. Donnie, listen. If you were dating Mindy at the time, she never told me, and that's the truth. Had I thought she had a boyfriend, I would never have, uh, been with her. I swear. You mean you would have never fucked her. That's what you mean. Donnie, I did not do that. We just played around a little. Played around a little, my ass. That's the same goddamn thing she tried to tell me at first. Then she couldn't deny it anymore because she was knocked up. Tom suddenly felt lightheaded, like something buried deep in the muck in the mire for years had risen to the surface. The story was beginning to have a very unpleasant ring to it. He had in fact gotten a call from Mindy Conkle one day, not long after he had moved to New York, and he had put that call so far out of his mind it wasn't until now that it came back to him. Mindy Conkle had called to tell him that she was pregnant with his child. He had blown her off, telling her that it was next impossible that he had gotten her pregnant, given the circumstances. They had only slept together once, he had argued. The odds were totally against it. Besides, he had thought, there was no way he was going to let the chick screw up his new life in the Big Apple. Mindy continued to insist that the child was his, and Tom had finally gotten so angry that he simply hung up on her. As it turned out, he had never heard from her again, so he had promptly forgotten all about it. Until now. Tom knew he had to find a way out of this situation. If he didn't, there was little doubt that Donnie Shortridge was going to kill him. Are you trying to say I got her pregnant? he said. That's right. I know you did. How could you know that, Donnie? What makes you think it wasn't you? Because, asshole, I took a paternity test. I started having my doubts about her when you knocked her up once I found out she had fucked you too. And even though the bitch swore up and down that you weren't the father, I didn't believe her. But the clincher was the kid had dark brown hair and brown eyes. Mindy and I both have blue eyes and blonde hair. This kid didn't look one goddamn bit like me. So I got tested one day, and sure enough, the kid wasn't mine. I got real mad and real drunk after I found out the results of that test. When Mindy got back from work that night, I beat the crap out of her. Broke her arms, couple ribs, and smashed her face in pretty good. The cops came and I ended up getting a prison term. All because of you, motherfucker. You messed up my whole goddamn life. The man was so roaring angry now that the veins were popping out of his neck. Tom almost shot up and ran, but the gun pointed at him made him reconsider. Donnie, I'm sorry, but that still doesn't prove I was the father. It could just as easily have been someone else. You stinking son of a bitch. Now you're making Mindy out for an even bigger whore than she is. Nope, she may be a bitch, but I'm sure you're the only other bastard she had screwed. So that makes you the daddy, and the one that not only screwed up my family got me sent to the southern Ohio pen for five fucking years. Even if I were the father, which I really doubt, that wouldn't make it my fault you got sent to prison, Donnie. I mean, it sounds like you could have used a few anger management sessions or something. Tom knew as soon as it came out that this had not been a wise thing to say. Whack! Donnie backhanded him with a beer bottle. It hurt like bloody hell. Fuck you, man. Don't be telling me about needing anger management. Tom almost laughed out loud at the irony but his jaw hurt too much. 
It was at that moment that he spotted Aaron in the living room, creeping toward the kitchen with the fire poker in her hand. Donnie's back was toward her, so he was unaware of her presence. Ignoring Aaron, Tom touched his aching jaw gingerly and said, Look, Donnie, I'm sorry about all this. I truly am. But surely you could have just forgiven Mindy's infidelity and raised the child as your own, right? Donnie guffawed heartily. You gotta be shitting me. First of all, there was no way I'd do that. I wasn't going to live with no whore and rear some other dude's kid. Wouldn't have made no difference anyway, even if I had been foolish enough to do that. She had a restraining order of me, and when I got out of the joint, she'd given the little shit up for adoption. Seems she couldn't afford to raise the kid on her own. Serves a right for pressing charges against me. Nope, screw it all. The only thing that's going to make me feel better is to take this out on your ass, since it was your goddamn fault. What do you mean by that? Tom asked trying not to stare at Aaron, who was now only a few feet from Donnie, the poker held high over her head. I'm going to kill you and clean out your beautiful home. That's what I'm going to do. A sickening thought suddenly came to mind. Do you know where my family is right now, Donnie? The man smiled malevolently. Wish I could say I do, but no. The place was empty when I got here. You expecting them any time soon? Aaron was directly behind him now. Tom watched in awe and relief as she came down hard with a poker and hit Donnie square in the head with the iron handle. His expression switched from rage to total shock just before he slumped over the table, out like a light. A direct hit, Tom shouted. Great going, kiddo. Aaron dropped the poker and ran over to Tom. She stared at the unconscious man. Did I kill him? Tom arose, gave her a warm hug, and walked over to Donnie to feel his pulse. No, he's still alive, unfortunately, but he's going to be out of it for quite some time. How in the hell were you able to sneak into the house so quietly? Aaron grinned. I learned how to sneak around a long time ago, remember? Who is this man, anyway? Someone from my hometown. He apparently has it out for me and came all the way up here to rob me blind and murder me. What did he mean when he said it was your fault that he was sent to prison? I didn't catch all the story. Tom hesitated a moment before answering. He didn't really want to tell Aaron the details of that matter, so he was careful to choose his words carefully. Like she in her own past, this wasn't something he was particularly proud of about his. Sort of hard to explain, really. Basically, this guy's a lunatic and was accusing me of something I didn't do. He got into some trouble and was sent to prison, and decided to blame me since he couldn't blame anybody else, I guess. Anyway, I am eternally grateful that you did what you just did. You have, in fact, just saved my life. I almost blew it when I saw him whack you with the beer bottle. I nearly ran to the kitchen at that instant, but realized that I had no weapon. That's when I picked up the poker from the fireplace and plotted my move. Tom gestured toward the poker lying on the floor. Good thing you didn't hit him with the business end of that. He'd be dead as a doornail now. I must confess I was wanting to hit him with the poker end, but I changed my mind. It wouldn't have been any great loss, but I'm glad you didn't. That would have been hard to explain to the cops. Aaron stretched her hands and chuckled. What cops? Haven't exactly seen too many of them around lately. Tom laughed. Good point. So what are we going to do with him? The girl asked. Time up, I guess. I wonder if Kyle left me any duct tape. Looks like there's still some left, Aaron said, pointing at the roll still lying on the kitchen counter. Why don't you go ahead and take that hot shower while I tie him up? Tom suggested. Yes, Aaron smiled broadly. I'll go out and get my things. Aaron left, and Tom lit up a couple more candles, grabbed the duct tape, and bound Donnie Shortridge securely to the chair. He heard Aaron come back in the front door and make her way upstairs to the bathroom. When he was finished with Donnie, he went to the living room fireplace, lit a match, valved in the gas, and watched as the gas logs came to life. 
With a long yawn, he sat down on the sofa and leaned his head back. He heard the faucet squeak and the water running upstairs as Aaron started her shower. He thought of how grateful he was that the girl had had the courage and moxie to do what she had just done. Most girls his age probably would never have taken the risk to come to his aid as she had. The more he got to know Aaron Myers, the more he realized what a truly unique individual she was. His thoughts drifted to Donnie Shortridge and what had just occurred. A number of questions came to mind as he fought the fatigue gnawing away at him. For starters, why had Donnie shown up in the first place? And why now of all times, when there were only a few people still existing on earth, as far as he knew? Why someone from his hometown? Someone he had never known before, yet someone who apparently knew plenty about him. And how much of this man's insane story should he believe? Yes, he had had a one-night stand with Mindy Conkle twenty years ago. And yes, it was possible, but unlikely, that he had gotten her pregnant. But why had Donnie been so adamant that Tom had been the father of her child? And what about Mindy Conkle, who had at first insisted that Donnie was the father, then recanted once it was discovered that Donnie's DNA didn't match the child's? Why would she all of a sudden insist it was Tom instead? How could she be so certain? Unless, Tom thought, he had actually been the only one who had slept with Mindy that particular month. There was an outside possibility, and if that were the case, then she would have been correct in assuming Tom was the father. Tom swallowed hard and stared intently into the fire. What if he really had been the father of Mindy Conkle's child? What if the call she had made him in New York had been a legitimate cry for him to take some responsibility for a desperate situation? His thoughts flew into a tailspin. He had been so much in denial of the situation at the time that he had totally dismissed its seriousness. And this denial was ultimately what had kept him from accepting responsibility when he should have. How convenient, he thought. And the fact that Mindy had called him once, and only once, had made it even easier for him to forsake his responsibility. Tom leaned back on the sofa. He was so exhausted now that he could barely keep his eyes open. He yawned and promptly drifted off to sleep. Tom? he heard Aaron say softly. He opened his eyes and saw her sitting beside him on the sofa, her expression apologetic. I hate to wake you up. I wasn't sure if you want me to or not. You had mentioned wanting to take a shower. Tom sat up straight. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you woke me up. I guess I just dozed off for a moment there. He rubbed his eyes and noticed that Aaron was wearing nothing but a white oversized T-shirt that went down to just above her knees and that she smelled as sweet as a rose after a shower. Her hair was still damp, combed out poker straight, falling onto her shoulders in tiny strands. For the first time, Tom realized that Aaron Myers was attractive in an oddly compelling way that made her unique, as unique on the outside as she was on the inside. How long have you been sitting there? he asked. She giggled. Would you believe about five minutes? You were really dead to the world. And you were snoring, too. Tom smiled. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I feel like I could sleep for a week. You'll feel much better after a shower. I sure did. But I wouldn't have any trouble falling asleep now, either. Why don't you go get some sleep, then, Tom said. I'll take my shower and do the same. Okay. Tom stood up. Are there enough blankets for you? Yes, I'll be fine, Aaron replied. Tom decided to go into the kitchen long enough to check on Donnie Shortridge, who was still out cold, then returned to the living room and headed for the staircase. Tom, who is Mindy? Aaron asked suddenly. Tom halted in his tracks. He turned toward her and replied, Do you mean the Mindy we were discussing in the kitchen? She was Donnie's wife. Why do you ask? Oh, I don't know. I just love that name, Mindy. It was my biological mother's name, too. Oh, really? 
Tom said, intrigued at this revelation. You mean you actually know who your real mom is? Not exactly. All I know is that her name was Mindy. I've got a picture of her holding me when I was a baby. I've had it for as long as I can remember. You want to see it? Of course I would. Aaron opened her backpack. Tom sat down beside her and waited as she located her billfold and began thumbing through it. Here it is, she said, taking one of the photos out of a transparent sleeve. She flipped it over and showed Tom the back, which had writing in blue ballpoint pen. It read, To my lovely daughter, please know I'll always love you. At the bottom it was signed, Mindy, your mommy. See, she even signed it, Aaron said proudly. She flipped the photo over. There we are, my mommy and me. Tom stared at the photo. It was in color and showed a young woman about twenty or so holding a tiny baby in her arms. The woman was Mindy Conkle. Tom looked closer. No doubt about it, the woman in the picture was Mindy. He was dumbfounded. Not sure what to do or say, Tom struggled with the best way to deal with this. She's very pretty. How in the world did you get this picture, anyway? Aaron continued, holding on to the picture lovingly. I think my first foster parents gave it to children's services, who in turn gave it to me after I'd been adopted by my second foster family. Since I'd already been told that I was an orphan, I guess they figured I might as well have it. Did you ever want to find her? Your biological mother? Tom asked curiously. Of course, but I haven't known where to begin. I heard that you could trace your family tree online, so I tried that once, but had no luck. It really helps when you have a last name to start with, she added dismally. I wonder if you could post that picture on the internet. There's a chance that someone might know who she is, Tom suggested, feeling more and more guilty the further he went with this charade. I tried that too. In fact, Kyle put it online for me, which is about the only thing nice he'd ever done for me. We never heard back from anyone. It's useless. I'll probably never know who she is. Or was. Tom wanted nothing more than to tell her who her mother was, and that he knew who her father was, too, that it just so happened that her dad was the same man sitting there with her right now. But he couldn't do that, not yet, anyway. He had to be certain that he was truly the girl's father before running the risk of leading her on with something that might not be true, and the only way to be absolutely certain would be for them to have their DNA tested. Furthermore, he wouldn't be sure of Mindy Conkle's feelings on this, after all, she had given Aaron up for adoption in the first place. It was really her place to decide if Aaron should know who her biological mother was. Somehow, he was going to have to track her down and find out what her thoughts would be on seeing her daughter again after all these years. Perhaps he could find out Mindy's whereabouts from Donnie when he came to. Tom stared thoughtfully at Aaron for a moment as she continued studying the wallet print in her hand. Did she look anything like him? She did have brown eyes and hair, just as he did and her face was rather long and thin like his. And didn't the shape of her nose resemble his, or was it just his imagination? Suddenly, the bizarre nature of this entire situation hit him straight on. What in the hell were the astronomical odds of he and Aaron and Donnie Shortridge all being together in this house right now, at this very moment? The world was virtually deserted right now, for all he knew. Yet here he was, with the daughter he never knew he had, and the man who had once been married to her mother. There had to be a reason for all of this. But what was it? He had no idea. He was going to have to think about this. But first, he was going to have to get some sleep. His thoughts were so jumbled up now that it was useless to try to make any sense of anything. He observed how Aaron was looking longingly at the photo in her hand. His heart bled for her. The girl had had a miserable life through no fault of her own. Yet she still yearned to know who her mother was, and no doubt, her father, too. 
It was enough to make him want to break down and cry. He gently placed his hand on her arm. Well, you never know, kiddo. You may find her some day. I wouldn't give up if I were you. She smiled as she continued staring at the photo. I know I'll never give up. Even if she doesn't want me in her life, I want to know what has happened to her and why she had to give me away. This photo proves she loves me. I think she had to do it for a good reason. And whatever that reason was, I know I'll forgive her. I just want to know her. Tom put his arm around Aaron and pulled her against him. If you want, I'd be more than happy to help you find her in any way I can. Oh, Tom, that would be so nice. And I'll help you find your wife and kids. Tom had almost forgotten his own family for a moment. Almost. This is all just too much to bear. All he could hope for was that things would be better in the morning. Well, I'm going to take a shower and turn in. Aaron slipped the photo back into her wallet. Me too. Tom got up. I'll see you in the morning. Okay, night. Night, Aaron. Tom went upstairs, undressed, and took a long, hot shower. After changing into a pair of sweatpants and sweatshirt, he quietly descended the stairs to the living room. By the light of the fire, he saw Aaron snuggled up on the sofa under the blankets. He went over to where she lay, leaned down, and kissed her gently on her forehead. He went into the kitchen to check on Donnie. The hillbilly redneck was still out like a light and breathing regularly. With luck, the bastard would be out for another eight hours so he and Aaron could get some much-needed sleep. Tom returned to the living room, picked up one of the blankets, sat down in the recliner, and covered himself up. He felt a bit more focused after his shower and had come up with a plan for tomorrow morning. He would take Donnie aside, safely out of earshot of Aaron, and ask him where he might find Mindy. If he refused to comply or claimed not to know, he'd be out of luck. If he flatly refused to talk, Tom would use some kind of tactic to get him to speak. What that would be, he had no idea, and in fact hoped it wouldn't come to that. Then, after making certain that Donnie was securely bound, he and Aaron would take a drive down to Smithtown. Tom would make up an excuse for going there, maybe tell her that his family could possibly be there with relatives or something. The truth of it was, Tom now found himself obsessed with the idea that Aaron might be his daughter. He had to find out if it was true, and locating her mother would be a start. Tom pondered why he had become obsessed with the truth about Aaron and came up with a very good one. She could very well be the only family he had left on earth. Tom glanced over at the sleeping girl, wondering if she would ever be able to forgive him if she were indeed his child. Would she be as forgiving of him as she was of her mother? Only time would tell. Tom felt his eyes get heavy. He finally gave in to the absolute need for sleep, closed his eyes, and fell into a dead slumber. See Tom Run is copyright 2008 by Scott Wittenberg. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider purchasing a copy of the book, now available at scottwittenberg.com. Thanks for your support.